Glad that you're here. If you are online watching us, we are glad you are with us. If you don't know who you're looking at, I'm Pastor Mark, and we're at First Baptist Church of Welcome in Welcome, Maryland. So do not change the channel just because I said that, because we are going to worship the Lord. Amen? That's what we're here for. I'm going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear there will be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, do ye show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, and not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest I will set in order when I come. The first Sunday of the month is always, we always celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, and we do that because Jesus commanded us to do that. Uh, uh, you know, we call it the Lord's Supper, so you might call it communion, it's the same thing, same idea. And it, it's been a while since I spoke about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's just kind of put it on my heart here lately uh, over the last several months to uh, we need to revisit the specifics maybe. So I hope that you're going to discover a special and refreshing connection uh, to the Lord himself as we delve into our passage of scripture this morning and and follow it by being obedient in in partaking in the Lord's Supper this this morning. I want to begin this message by sharing the story that kind of illustrates 
the challenges that always convince confronts churches and or maybe even Christianity, we might say, um, when we take the Lord's Supper. And stories about to, in upstate New York, a small church had this uh, this dearly loved pastor who retired after after he'd been there for 35 years. After he was he was replaced by a younger pastor. This was going to be his first pastorate, and uh, and he had been at the several been at church for several weeks and began to get the feeling that people were upset at him. Well, he didn't know what what to do. You know, he didn't know what he had done. But eventually, he called one of the lay leaders of the church, and he asked, uh, "Have I done something wrong?" And the man said, "Well, pastor, I hate to say it." But it's the way that you do the communion service. Churches are like that, you know. <laughs> now, in that denomination, they took the Lord's Supper every week. They would come up front. They would receive the elements from the pastor. And the young man had done it as he had been trained. And he was sure that he knew what he was doing. So he asked, the way that I do communion service? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, the man says it's not so much what you do as what you leave out. And so what do I leave out? Is what the pastor asks. Well, just before our previous pastor gave us the cup, he would always go over and touch the radiator. The young pastor was mystified. He didn't understand what the heck that meant. So he called the former pastor and he asked about the touching of the radiator. The older pastor kind of chuckled and he said, I touched the radiator to discharge the static electricity so I wouldn't shock them when I was giving them communion. <laughs> so for 35 years, the congregation thought that it was part of the Lord's Supper. Brothers and sisters, the Lord's Supper is, isn't about the way that we hand out the bread and the juice we're not planning to change the way that we do the Lord's Supper I'm not going to have you guys come up and take you know and serve you up here and there are a lot of churches that, that do that but the key issue is when when it comes to the Lord's Supper we have to have a fresh encounter with Jesus that leaves us awestruck at the magnitude of his great sacrifice for us every time we do this we should feel how important this is. It was important enough for Jesus to, to give that as one of the ordinances of the church. And it's, it's, it's possible, however, to celebrate the communion service and, and never really understand what it's all about. And, and that's why I'm doing this today. Because... Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you've just been going through the motions and you don't, and you don't know what it's all about. So let's break this down this morning. Our first point is, is the challenge of the Lord's Supper. Now, I'll explain what I mean about that. The challenge for those of us who know the story so well is on keeping the Lord's Supper really about the Lord's Supper. After we've celebrated the Lord's Supper as many times as we've celebrated in our lives, right? 
what happens? Becomes kind of just what we do the first Sunday of every month, right? If we're not careful, we fall into the trap to, to you know, for it to become somewhat commonplace, something that, that doesn't have any meaning. It's just what we do on the first Sunday of every month. It's not special. And that's the trap that, that the Christians fell into in Corinth. In those days, believers would take communion or, or the Lord's Supper every week. They would get together to worship the Lord. We're never told how often we're supposed to, worship, we're supposed to do the Lord's Supper. So there's not any required time or, or, you know, of when we're supposed to celebrate. But it's clear that we're supposed to celebrate, right? So I'm going to give you a little bit of background about the way the Lord's Supper was celebrated in the early church. A special meal was associated with the Lord's Supper called the Love Feast. And it was a variation of what a Southern Baptist called potluck dinner, right? Every week before they'd celebrate the Lord's Supper, they'd get together uh, first for a potluck dinner. Or as somebody's told me one time, a multiple choice dinner. At least on the surface, it sounds like a good idea, right? We're going to get together, we're going to eat, we're going to have a good time before we worship. Well, the food's good, right? We enjoy visiting with one another. But is it always a good thing? And while it sounded like a good thing at Corinth, and it had in fact become a bad thing, because the people who were there to celebrate Jesus' sacrifice had become distracted by the meal. It had become primarily a social event as opposed to a spiritual one. So this is what happened. The love feast at Corinth was filled with division and drunkenness. When they met, instead of being drawn together and becoming a family, they tended to divide up into second group, separate groups. And you know how it is. This group sits over here. This group sits over here. The ones that don't are part of those two groups kind of congregate together. You know? Do we do that here? I'll let you figure that out. So the rich mem members of the church... That congregation, they would, sat, they would sit on one side, while the poor members sat on the other side. And the picture that Paul is painting is, is that the rich families of the church would be enjoying this, this great big spread. And the poor families were going hungry. What was meant to remind them of, of their common faith ended up separating them, dividing them. The result was that the love feast at Corinth was filled with division. It, did, it was the exact opposite of what it was supposed to do. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, some of the people who came in drank a little bit, drank a lot, and they got drunk at church. The love feast was supposed was was filled with so much drunkenness that it took away from the Lord's Supper, the purpose. 
In this atmosphere, where celebrating Christ's sacrificial death should have been front and center, Jesus had been completely forgotten. And that the special service intended to remind his followers of the sacrifice of God made by sending his son down here for our sins, that became a mockery. Beloved, the challenge of the Lord's Supper is keeping the Lord and what he did for us at the center of that celebration. See, too often we sit here and we go through the motions. We take the bread. We take the cup. But our mind, our hearts aren't what they symbolize. We're just going through, doing it. It's not the intention. Christ died on the cross for us. We're supposed to remember. The Lord's Supper is, is to be a time when all of us remember what He's done. We're supposed to reflect on, on our shared need of salvation. And that salvation should unite us, right? At Corinth, it had become a time to, to show who had more than, than somebody else. We must never allow anyone or anything to, become, to come between our focus when it comes to celebrating the Lord's Supper. It's important. It's not just something to do. It's not just something that a church does. There's significance in why it's done. Now I'm going to skip the final verses and go to the final verses. I'll come back to the middle ones in a bit. Which brings us to our second point, the seriousness of the Lord's Supper. To approach this special celebration in an unholy way was nothing short of a sin. Now, while that might seem harsh, it's exactly what Paul says when he begins his final section in chapter 11. When he says in, in verse 17, So if anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, that that person is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of God. You need to think about that. See, because we stop when we take the Lord's Supper. And we stop right there. After you take the bread, right? Do you take the cup? You stop. That's where the Lord's Supper ends. But that's not what Paul is saying. There's more to it. It's about our heart when we take it. It's about what we're thinking, what we're feeling when we take it. If anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and, and blood of the Lord. Then he goes on to say that anyone who does this is in danger of God's judgment. So what does that mean? What does that mean? When you're ready to take the cup, when you're ready to, to, to take that bread... Where's your heart? Now, the Bible says that if you've got something 
against a brother or sister in Christ? And you're going to take this? Before you take it, you need to go to them and forgive them or ask for forgiveness. If your heart is not in a holy place, if your mind is not in a holy place, then Paul is saying, don't take it. Because you're not going to be in communion with God. Because your mind and your heart is not in a holy place. Does that make sense? In verse 29, you know, if we eat or drink unworthily, we're eating and drinking God's judgment or His damnation upon yourself. I mean, that's, that's a serious warning, don't you think? And we shouldn't ignore it. Then verse 30 says, that it takes it a step further and says that some members of the Corinthian congregation were sick and, and some were, were, had already died. That's what it means when it says they were asleep. That they, that they had died. The point here is, is that we, we have to make sure that we don't take the Lord's Supper unworthily. So what does, what does it mean to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner? Well, what I think is that the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner is to focus on something besides our great need for Christ. It's not about anything but Him. If something is standing in the way of us giving ourselves to, to, to the, the remembrance of Jesus at that moment, then we shouldn't take it. And I've witnessed that. I've witnessed people that, that, that normally would take it that won't take it. And that gives me a, a moment to pray for that person, whatever's on their heart. To put it another way, God's judgment comes when people who should know better take his son's death lightly. When we just go through the motions of this, when, when, when he is not the focus of what we're supposed to remember. I've shared with you before, and I'm going to share with you again. And, and this is not to put me on a pedestal. To just mean, This is just to, to, so that you know where my brain is. But when we take the Lord's Supper, the Passion of Christ comes into my, my mind, the movie, and, and, and him being nailed to that cross, and the, the condition of his body, you know, the, and the bread signifying that. And when we take the cup, when I close my eyes, I see that pedestal that he was tied to, that he was chained to when he was being flogged. And beaten and the amount of blood that would have been around that pedestal that's what I see in my mind and he did that for me how can we not be focused on that Because everything else in this world is temporary. 
And he did that for us to give us eternity. But he suffered like a man. Amen and amen. The key responsibility in this section is that we're supposed to examine ourselves. And the Bible tells us that all the time, but do we do that? I tell you that we have to examine ourselves. We're to make sure that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that we're focused on our sins, that we're focused on God's great gift. We're not worried about impressing anybody else. We can't come to the Lord's table lightly because what he did for us costs God too much. All this brings us to the most important part of this morning's service. And that's the significance of the Lord's Supper. Though millions of Christians have celebrated the Lord's Supper since that first night that Jesus shared the bread and wine with the twelve, each time we take the bread and juice ourselves is special. Because the sacrifice that Jesus made wasn't just for others. It wasn't just for those apostles. It was made for us. The sacrifice that Christ made is so big, it was, it was for the sins of the entire world until he comes again, amen? And so that's personal to each one of us. And the reason that the Lord's Supper is so special that is, is that the focus is on him. On the Lord. If we're honest with ourselves, how many times do we do that? How many times do we, when we've taken the Lord's Supper, do we focus on Christ? Or do we focus on what we're doing? The symbols are to rem remind, them, remind us, right? Where's our heart? Where's our mind? It wasn't on those who stood around watching him die on that, uh, that day so long ago. It wasn't on the Jewish leaders who were putting him to death. It wasn't on those who died with him that day. And it's certainly not on us today. And while it's sig incredibly significant for us, we're not to focus on anything but the Lord. I mean, that's the profound nature of this. Focusing on Jesus. It's His death for us that we celebrate every time that we take that bread and that juice. And that's where our focus should always be. And in fact... The key word in the middle of, of section between in verses 23 through 26, there's the word remembrance. A form of this word is found at the end of 24 and in, and in 25. The end of verse 24 gives, gave us this 
instructions, which you hear when we do the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. At the end of verse 25, almost identical instructions. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. That's the way we keep our focus on Jesus and what he did for us. The Lord's Supper, in essence, is built on the focus of, of the Passover. And Jesus gave it to him, to his followers on that night when they celebrated the Passover together in that upper, upper room, right? That's, what, that's why they were together. But think about it for a moment. The Passover means what? They're supposed to be remembering what God had done when he delivered them from Egypt, right? And the Lord's Supper is about remembering what Jesus did when he went to the cross for us. Recognizing his great sacrifice. Recognizing our great need for that sacrifice. Because without it, brothers and sisters, we would be lost. They ate bitter herbs. They retold the story of what happened to their ancestors. And in fact, nearly everything about the Passover celebration was intended to refresh the memory of, of those celebrating by help, helping them to remember all the things that God had done for them in the past. That's one of the reasons it's so natural that, that this meal comes on Passover. The Lord's Supper is about remembering what Jesus did when he went to the cross it's about recognizing his great sacrifice and our great need for that sacrifice. I think we take this time for granted. Today we still use reminders to help us from forgetting things that are too important, don't we? Things that help us keep letting things slip from our memories. For instance, you got the Vietnam Memorial down DC, right? Then you ever been there? Oh, I made several trips here with my dad. Um, it's very emotional. You know, of course, I was a youngster when my dad was had been to Vietnam four times, and um, and so he had several friends that were on that wall. And so he, and he would go and he would tear up every time. And of course, we would tear up watching him tear up. But it's, if you've never been, it's, it's a place where people go to remember. It's a memorial. It gives people the, you know, the reason to remember what happened the events that took place that caused these people to lose their lives. That's what that cross does for us. That's what this, this celebration of Lord's Supper should do for us every time. To remember. It's to help us remember what He did for us on that cross. And He went to that cross because we're all sinners. And he died on that cross for you and for me. So how important 
Is the Lord's Supper to you? Is it just something that we do? I pray that this brief lesson brings it more in focus for you. Because it's so much more than just a once a month event. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning Your Son, our Lord Jesus, commanded that we do this. And out of obedience, we do it. Lord, I pray that our hearts are doing it out of loving obedience. That in our minds and in our hearts and in our very soul that we know the sacrifice that was given for each of us. with all the things that go on in our life for us to give ourselves over to this moment. It's precious to forget everything except our Lord Jesus. I pray that you make that so today, Lord, that you reinstate the importance of the Lord's Supper in our hearts and in our minds and that we are ready, ready to celebrate the remembrance of you and what you've done. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the love that sent you to the cross. We thank you for the love that kept Jesus there. And Father, I ask blessing on each man, woman, and child here today as we continue on to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. All God's children said, Amen. I hope that something that was said today hit your heart in a place where this becomes special every time we take it. Not because of my words, but because the God's Spirit has moved in you to use those words to see the significance that, that it stands in our life. So I have no challenge. Your challenge today was to, to, to take the Lord's Supper, hopefully with the right heart and the right mind. Jeff. Can I get you to uh, pray us out? Certainly. Peace, I'm out. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we're in your house to worship today. We're with your family. And uh, I pray, Lord, as we go through this week, uh, we've, we've celebrated your, um, your sacrifice. We pray, Lord, that uh, make it extra special to us this week. That you just impress upon our hearts uh, the the ultimate sacrifice that you gave for our eternity and uh, that we can remain eternally grateful for that. I pray as we uh, go about the rest of the day, uh, I pray for a blessing on the food, 
I pray for a blessing on all the families uh, represented here. Um, that you'll continue to guide, direct, as you see fit, uh, so that we have things to point to and uh, moments in our lives that we can share with others that uh, that you've done for us, so that we can show that you are real to us, and that people can uh, see that light that that brings in our lives, and hopefully they're attracted to it. So thank you for allowing us to be here today. Bless us as we go home and go about our weeks. But thank you most of all, once again, for the gift of your Son and the sacrifice He made. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.